So if you would take out your Bibles, we're going to be in the book of Isaiah. We started last week in the book of Isaiah, chapter 35. And we're going to read a couple of verses from there, and then we'll continue on talking about the miracles of Jesus Christ. Did you know that you and I see miracles every day? We see them every day, but we don't recognize them. We see them, but we don't know what we're looking for. It's kind of like if you see a picture that uh, a picture of someone, you see the picture, but because you don't know who you're looking at, you really don't recognize who it is. Not until you get to meet that person that you recognize who it is. And same thing with miracles. If we don't know what we're looking for, then it's going to pass us by. We'll still see them, but we're not going to notice that it's a miracle. And so in Isaiah chapter 35, Isaiah is talking about some things that is going to happen and some of the things that the ministry of Jesus Christ are going to, uh, that's going to take place in his ministry. And this is way before Christ came to the earth. So if you're in your Bibles, Isaiah chapter 35, and then we'll continue on. Uh, Doris Aoki, who is one of our elders uh, during our time of worship, spoke a word and she said, Behold, I stand at the door and knock. If anyone acknowledges me or opens the door, then I will come in and I will sup with him. I will dine with him. And that comes out of the book of Revelation. And we're in that book right now, if you're reading with us with devotions. And I think that's why it's so important for us to be in the Word of God. Because sometimes you'll be in a setting, even a church setting, where where you will hear somebody speak a word. And if you're not in the Word of God, then you'll be duped to believe anything. So be in the Word of God. If not, man, there's, there's people out there who study the Bible to prove God wrong against those who believe God exists. And if you're not ready for it, they're going to take you astray. That's why Jesus said to His disciples, you are already clean because of the Word. He already cleansed us by His Word. It's our responsibility to be cleansed by the Word. we got to get into the Word of God. And so we do these uh, devotions that we read along with the bookmarker. And and right now we're in the book of Revelation. We're also in the book of Ezekiel. And there's some crazy stuff going on. So you gotta got to be in the Word. And then sometimes you don't understand something, then we can talk about it. And then we can help one another to understand the Word of God better. Okay? So Isaiah. Oh, by the way, Doris, thank you so much for the Word tonight. We received that. Thank you. Now, some of you, I'm going a little off track, but this is on track. Some of you might say, oh, sometimes I feel like I want to say something, and I don't know, it's in me, but I'm afraid to because I don't know what to do. The best thing to do, as the Bible says, is to do it in order. It talks about that in the book of Corinthians, that you do everything in order that's edifying. So sometimes you'll have something like how Doris did, and you'll feel like, oh boy, it's like the Lord wants me to share this, but I don't know what to do with it. What if I share it? It's wrong. And Pastor Sheldon says, what's wrong with you? Get out of here. So I don't know if I want to share that. Best thing to do, see one of our elders or one of our pastors. And then you speak it to them. And then they'll come to the speaking pastor. And then they'll speak it to the entire church. So the Word of God will still be delivered. And you don't have to be the one who's recognized because that's not why we do what we do. It's the Lord who's going to speak. But we're the body. So you're the voice of God too. He's going to speak to you and through you. And so you want to make sure that you're in order and that your doctrine is correct. Sometimes as a new Christian, and I've done this before, I would hear something from God and I would say, I don't know if that's accurate because I don't know so much about the Word of God. And so I'd go to a pastor and I would say, you know, I I feel like the Lord is saying this to me and I don't know if it's for the church, but I say this. Then I would speak it and then the pastor is able to 
line it up with Scripture, and then bring it to the church. And then when they shared it, I thought, that's actually what I'm trying to say. I just didn't know how to say it. So you want to exercise your gifts. You want to do what God has called you to do and, and become all that God made you to be. So don't be fearful. He didn't give us a spirit of timidity. He gave us a sound mind. So take that to one of the elders or, or our, our pastors. Uh, I don't know what else elders or if we have any other elders here tonight. I know Doris is here. Not sure where the other pastors are. Uh, where? Oh, Dr. Kyle is one of our elders. Dr. Robin Takahashi is one of our elders. Uh, Ali Ammon is one of our elders. Uh, Uncle Calvin is one, one of our elders. So I don't know if he's there tonight. But during our vision night next month, you'll get introduced to all of our elders and pastors. So at least you'll get a face uh, to go with it. Okay, so Isaiah uh, 35. Hopefully that helps you as the church. Isaiah 35, it says this. It says to strengthen the weak hands. This is in verse 3. Strengthen the weak hands and make firm the feeble knees. Say to those who are fearful, fearful hearted, be strong, do not fear. Behold, your God will come with vengeance, with the recompense of God. He will come and save you. Then the eyes of the blind shall be opened and the ears of the deaf shall be unstopped. Then the lame shall leap like a deer and the tongue of the dumb sing. For waters shall burst forth in the wilderness and streams in the desert. So you can see already that Isaiah is letting the people know that this is where you're at. Things aren't going so well for you as a nation. You're rebelling against God. You get good with God and then you turn away from God. You get good with God and then you turn away from God. Some of you are not doing well, so God is going to bring the healer. He's going to bring those of you who are not... uh, physically capable right now. He's going to bring healing to your body. And so Isaiah is speaking this, and then he's saying, even for your land, he's going to cause your land to thrive. Where it once was desert, he's going to make it streams of water. And when Jesus came, he said, the water that I give is the water that you shall never thirst again. And most of them were looking for the well springs that was the water, because if you had water in the desert, you were a rich person. You were wealthy. But Jesus said, remember to the Samaritan woman, He asked her for a drink, and then she said, but you don't have anything to draw water out. And he says, if if you knew of this drink that I'm asking, if you knew the water that I'm talking about, then, then you would understand that it's a living water. It's not the kind of water that you drink from a well, and then you become thirsty again. The water that I give, you will thirst no more. And Jesus was talking about his life. And as we get into the Word of God and as we talk about the miracles of Jesus Christ, let's always remember that it's about Jesus, not necessarily His miracles and the things that He does. It's who He is. Because miracles will come and go. But our relationship with Jesus Christ, now that's eternal. Miracles are great, but Jesus is even greater. In John 6, 2, it says that a great multitude followed him because they saw his miracles, which he did on them, and were diseased. Apparently, there are a lot of miracles that were not recorded because it says that a multitude followed him because they saw all of these miracles. They saw the things take place. I want to let you know, as the church, for those of you who has says, you said yes to Jesus Christ, first of all, that's a miracle because it's the gift of salvation. A miracle can be described as something only God can do, that nobody else can do. Only God can save us. So that's a miracle when we turn our hearts over to Jesus Christ. Now here's where you come into play, and as the Bible says, a great multitude followed. What happens is when God does a miracle, people notice that, 
And then they follow the miracle maker to see what happened in the person who had the miracle. So my question to you tonight is, are you walking around like you're a walking miracle? Are you giving glory to God for the things that he does? And you may not verbalize it, but you're living your life in such a way that you're, you're giving glory to God. Uh, some, some people will give glory to God verbally. Uh, some, uh, I don't know how long ago, I think it was the late 90s, there was a, a boxing match between Evander Holyfield and Mike Tyson. Any of you remember that? It was kind of like, a, almost like a holy war. You know, you had one who believed in God, one who didn't believe in God, and, and boy, Christians just took that thing and, and ran wild with it. But Evander Holyfield uh, said that he was healed by God. And there were medical records to prove that he was healed. In fact, he had a heart condition that ended his career in the early 90s. And so he announced that he's not going to fight anymore because of this condition. Well, he goes to the doctor, and the doctor says, Yep, you're done. You can't. Here's the records to show that you have an uh, abnormal heart, and the condition of your heart is not good for you to compete in, at that level. So, of course, he was a little distraught. And then he went to a, uh, a, like a service or a, a, uh, one of the crusades, a Christian crusade. And then it was at that crusade where the speaking uh, pastor... Uh, said to him, so what's your condition? And he says, well, the doctors say that my career is done because of my heart condition, and so I'm done. And the speaking pastor said, nope, you are healed. Prayed over him. And then he said, you go back to the doctors, and then you go get yourself checked and let them know that you're healed. So this, in disbelief, but wanting to go to the doctors just to make sure, Evander Holyfield goes to the doctors and then he tells the doctors, I got to get checked because, you know, my heart condition, this was it. And you said I couldn't fight, so I want to check it again. The doctor checks it and nothing's wrong. It's 100% healed. Now, the doctors can't believe it and they're wondering, okay, something's wrong. What is happening? And so they, tr they did another test and it was 100% healed. And then because the doctors said he was healed, he went back to the uh, commission, uh, the boxing commission and said, I'm fit to fight. The doctor said, I can fight. Well, the board didn't believe him because they felt, did you pay off a doctor because th that you just want to fight? And so they got their doctors to check him, and they found him 100% healed. And so he got back into boxing. And, of course, we, some of us know the fight. He fought Mike Tyson and, you know, just ear-biting happening, and it just went bad. And, you know, but Evander Holyfield, if you listen to the fight after and the, the, the interview, all he kept saying was, I give God all the glory. I give the glory to God. I'm a walking miracle. I'm a walking miracle. It's all glory to God. And when I was watching that, I was thinking, he's a fighter, but yet he's giving glory to God. There's something else. And when he said, I'm a walking miracle, that made the difference. That he can't help but talk about he was healed. A miracle took place in his life. He talked to Mike Tyson afterwards. He was not doing good. He was angry. He was frustrated. I don't know what took place in his heart. All I know is someone who was healed gave glory to God. Years later, maybe almost 20 years later, I can't remember the exact time, but uh, it was Evander Holyfield and Mike Tyson who uh, got together on Oprah. 
And then they got to uh, talk to each other for the very first time. And, you know, they're talking and, you know, Evander, how was it? You know, after the fight, are you mad? He goes, no, a little bit, but not, not much. And Mike, how was it after the fight? Were you angry? Well, yeah, yeah, I was mad. I was mad a little bit, but, you know, everything's good now. And so he was all fine. And then he said this. This is what Evander Holyfield said and Mike Tyson. He said, they said this. We just want to make things right because there's children watching and there's people watching. And we just want people to know that even though we make these mistakes, we can always grow up and come back together again and reconcile because things will happen. Mistakes will happen. We'll do weird things. The only reason that can happen in our lives is because we're walking miracles. God gives us miracles every day. And we may not see them because we're looking at the physical healing, which is okay. That's fine to, to have. But sometimes the spiritual healing is what God is after. He's looking for that heart change. John seven thirty one, it says, And many of the people believed in Him, speaking of Jesus, and said, When the Christ comes... Will he do more signs than these which this man has done? So they're, they're referring back to Isaiah 35, where Isaiah is prophesying, saying, you know, there's going to be a time where, where God's going to send the Messiah, the Christ, the Anointed One. And out of him, he's going to be able to heal. He's going to heal the brokenhearted. The, there's so many uh, different prophecies that were given to the, the people that were saying, out of, out of this town that... Uh, out of Bethlehem, that God will raise up. Out of the, the, the town of Nazareth, God will raise up. And they're speaking of Jesus Christ and showing where He was going to be and then letting everyone know that He will be the Messiah. That, that the virgin will conceive and give birth to the Messiah. Now, all of these miracles had to take place in order for Isaiah 35 to be fulfilled. And so now these guys, the, the religious leaders and even the people, they're saying, well, when the Christ comes, will he do more signs than these which this man has done? In other words, they're saying, wait a minute, how can he be the Christ? Because he, he doesn't look like a king. He's not, he, doesn't, he rode in on a donkey. He didn't ride in on no white stallion. And he's not like strong and, and built. The Bible says that he wasn't, he wasn't pleasable to look at. That he wasn't... He wasn't someone that they would recognize as a king. But that they looked at him as, is this not the carpenter's son? I mean, yeah, he's doing great things, but there's got to be someone else. This can't be the Messiah. And I thought, sometimes we get into that predicament where miracles happen in our life, and then we say, nah, it cannot be. That's just coincidence. No, no way. No way. I got that bonus probably because something else. I don't, I don't think it was God. I cannot be God. Or you come to church, God speaks a word, and you hear something, and you're thinking, how did they know? How did, how did that happen? God knows. So He speaks to us, and sometimes it's the miracle that God is showing us, but we forget who the miracle maker is, and we're stuck on the miracle. And then we never pass that and say, wait a minute, that is the Christ. It is Jesus. He is the one who's operating in our lives. It's not coincidence. If you're a believer, if you're a Christian, somebody who has given your life to Jesus Christ, there's no coincidences with God. You're living a life for Him. There's miracles happening all the time. See, the Messiah has to do the miracles that Isaiah said. 
That's why Jesus did what he did. He, he has to heal the deaf. He has to heal the dumb and the blind. He has to do it or he is not the Messiah. Jesus has to fulfill these prophecies or he's not the Messiah. He had to do every single one. John 9, 16. You can turn your Bibles there in the New Testament. John 9, 16. And these are the Pharisees. Jesus called the religious leaders Pharisees because he, he actually called them hypocrites because they, they believed in one thing, they knew what was right, but then they operated differently and not according to the ways of God. John nine sixteen. Therefore, some of the Pharisees said, This man is not from God because he does not keep the Sabbath. Others said, Well, how can a man who is a sinner do such things? And there was a division among them. So they're calling Jesus a sinner. And if you read the scriptures and you know his life, you know he didn't do anything that rebelled against God, that was disobedient to God. That's what sin is. Sin is missing the mark. Jesus hit the bullseye. He did everything perfect. The reason why they called him a sinner is because he hung around sinners. He hung around those that, uh, the drunkards. He hung around the prostitutes. He hung around those who committed adultery. He hung around those that the religious leaders pushed on the side. He touched the leper. He healed the sick. He touched the blind. Well, while the religious leaders stayed away because they felt they were holier than those who were so-called sinners. But Jesus was among the sinners. He hung around with them. Why? Because He loves us. Jesus was willing to put His reputation on the line for a miracle. Are you willing to put your reputation on the line for a miracle? Jesus did that. He said, I have no problem with hanging around people because I created them. I love them. Yes, they, they, they have these faults, but I'm going to die for them. While you were yet sinners, I'm going to die for you. I'm not going to wait for you to get good because there's nobody that's good. The Bible says not one. So Jesus says, I'm going to die for everyone so that they could have a relationship with me. And so the Messiah had to do everything according to Isaiah chapter 35. He had to fulfill this prophecy. John 11, you can turn there. John 11, 47 and 48. And it says this, Then the chief priests and the Pharisees gathered a council... And said, now, okay, let's just pause there. Now, Jesus is performing miracle after miracle after miracle. In other words, find somebody in your life, just think in your mind, somebody in your life that you may know of who is uh, maybe paralyzed or uh, could be hearing impaired, uh, maybe is not able to see, uh, maybe someone who has an illness, a sickness, or a disease, and you saw Christ heal them. Maybe some of you already have seen that happen. So if you were to gather people around, as, as this scripture is saying, that you would gather people around, what would you say? What would you say to the people? Would you say, this is Jesus, this is the work of Jesus? Or would you say what they said? They said this, What shall we do? For this man works many signs. If we let him alone like this, everyone will believe in him. And the Romans will come and take away both our place and nation. These guys were more concerned about their position than they were people. They were concerned about them being a great nation rather than being a great people of God. 
Even the religious leaders who didn't believe in him, who did not think that he was a Messiah and that he was mocking God, also recognized that he did many miracles. Yet they didn't believe in Jesus. They just, they recognized, they even admitted, he does many miracles, he does many signs. John 12, 37. But despite all the miraculous signs Jesus had done, most of the people still did not believe in him. John 12, 37. Many people did not believe in him. And you might be wondering, how, how is that even possible? How could that be possible with all the miracles that took place that people didn't believe in him? Well, did you know that we fall into the same category? We believe Jesus for one moment and then he does something powerful in our lives and then we turn away from him. We've forgotten about the miracles that he did. That, oh, we're so fired up when Christ helps us. Oh, he provided. Oh, he, he brought so-and-so to Christ. He helped me and my family. He did well. And then we forget about what he has done. Because we forgot about who did the miracle. We usually forget about Jesus before we forget about the miracle. And once we forget about Jesus, we forget why he did the miracle. It was so that we could be in a relationship with him. Miracles captures people's attention. Miracles capture our attention so that God can speak to us and build this relationship with us. It's like my grandchildren. Uh, Heidi does this to me once in a while. She'll get like a snack or, or food. She'll put it in front of my mouth and I'll automatically bite it. It's like automatic. There's food there and it's, it's like, I don't know, it's, I'm, I'm brainwashed. I don't know what happens. It's just food. If there's a snack, I'm going to eat it. But our grandchildren are like that too. You put food in front of them, they could be looking at the TV. You put something there, they'll just... And then they'll eat it. There's something there, they're going to take a bite at it. Jesus gives us miracles so that we can take a bite at it, but not so that we can take the miracle, but so, so that He can get our attention so that we're drawn to Him. And that's what they were struggling with. All the miraculous signs that Jesus did, all the, many people still didn't believe in Him. I think for us tonight, something that we can learn and grasp, and we're going to conclude with this, is that wherever you are in your walk with Jesus Christ, and I'll just draw it this way, we call it like an S-curve. We, we come to find Christ, and we're here because we found Christ here. Most of us find Christ at the lowest points of our life. And we find Christ, and then we get up here. And then we call it being on fire. And then we love being here because we feel good. It's like all the weight has been lifted off of us. And so we call it being on fire. Here's something that I've learned. Because some of us will love this moment and we'll say, I love being on fire. I love being on fire for God. And then a couple months later, you drop down. And then you feel like, where'd the fire go? It's like the fire is gone. I don't have the fire anymore. And here's what I've learned. When you call on Jesus Christ, don't miss this, okay? When you call on Jesus Christ, you don't catch fire. You become fire. And so fire is, you're not on fire. The fire is in you. So no matter where you go, you're not chasing this book, this seminar, this teaching. You, you have Christ in you. So you're already on fire. He's a consuming fire, the Bible says. So some people tell me, oh, I, man, I got to get fired up. I got to get fired up. I'm going to go to this seminar. I'm going to go to that worship concert. I'm going to go to this. I said, if you're going to go there to get fired up, you're gonna, it's going to be awesome. You'll do great for a couple of weeks. 
but I'd rather be the fire. So no matter where I go, if they're not on fire, in just a short moment, in, in a few moments, they will be on fire because it's, it's Jesus in us. He's the one that spreads out His light for everyone else to be with the fire and not on fire. So we're going we're gonna to pray and... Uh, that's our heart tonight, that we would have this fire in us, that Jesus Christ, that miracle maker, would reside in us. And then everywhere we go, we would have this fire in us, the Holy Spirit, the gift that God has given to us. You pray with me. Let's bow our heads and we'll conclude. Lord, thank you again for bringing us together as a church. Thank you for showing us your word and, and speaking to us in such a way that, that we can be the people you created us to be. Lord, there's miracles happening all the time in our lives. It's so that we can be pointed to you, so that we can move in your direction, so that we can draw close to you and be in this relationship with you. It's not so that we feel good or that we're on fire, but so that we are the fire. So that wherever we go, this fire that is in us, which is your spirit, would shine for all men to see. And as they see our good works, they will glorify you in heaven. Lord, as we go home to our families, even tonight as we leave in our vehicles, and as we head home, may we remember that we are the fire. Sometimes our mouth can speak words that are not of you. Our heart will have this anger issue, and anger will control us. It feels like the fire is going out. Sometimes there's guilt or jealousy, envy. Sometimes it, it, it douses the fire. And although we have this thing inside of us called sin, and we have the flesh attached to us, you said, greater is he that is in us he that is in the world. So no matter what it is that's crowding our heart, when we understand how great you are, that you're the consuming fire, no matter what's in our heart, that fire is able to disintegrate anything that is hindering our walk with you. You're the mountain mover. You're the one whom we look to. perform these miracles in our lives. And so we acknowledge that and we thank you. Lord, I know there's some here tonight and with every head bowed and eyes closed, if, if you're here tonight and you're saying, I want to be that person who has that fire within. It's not, a, it's not sensationalism. It's not emotionalism. It's not, it's not a feeling necessary, but it's more of a spirit. And you're saying, Lord, tonight, I... Show me what that is. Reveal it in your word. And if you're here tonight and you're saying, I, I want to have that in my heart, just acknowledge that by lifting a hand. God will see our hands. Lord, I lift my hand. Lord, I want to be a person who doesn't necessarily catch fire, but that the fire is within me and that's your spirit. And when people see this fire, it's not me that they're going to recognize, but that it's your spirit that will give glory to you every breath that we take. So we thank you in Jesus' name. You put your hands down.
everyone said, Amen. Amen.